When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approached data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Hey guys, so I've been doing this podcast for a while and I have a lot of podcast episodes around back to school type themes, but this back to school season is different, right? Like it's really different. So I thought this back to school season deserved its own episode, going back to school during COVID. How do we handle these challenges and these obstacles that are coming? Now, On a typical back-to-school season, as you're getting near the end of summer and you start seeing those school supplies go up in Target, you probably have some nerves, right? Maybe you're worried. Maybe you're a little bit anxious or a little stressed, or maybe you're just not wanting summer to end. That's okay. 
Whether you're a first-year teacher or switching classrooms or you have some new kids, those back-to-school nerves are normal for all of us. I know that the first day before students came, no matter what year teaching I was, I could never sleep, right? Even my 10th year teaching, the year, the day before students were coming, I couldn't sleep the night before because I was excited and nervous and just not knowing exactly what was going to come that year. So now if we think about what this back-to-school season looks like, it's even amplified even more. Those nerves might be all over the place for you. You might be feeling super, super stressed, super anxious. You might be feeling excited too. That's okay. However you are feeling right now is fine. I want to talk about how maybe those nerves that you're feeling that are possibly stressing you out are actually a good thing. So I think back to some of the back-to-school seasons when I was in the classroom and some of those August-September time periods where I thought I had everything set up perfectly. I organized, I planned, I had like minimal stress. I was like, man, this is the year I got this. Those falls, those back-to-school seasons were actually the hardest for me because I went into the school year with the mentality of, I'm going to have no obstacles. I'm going to have no problems. Everything's going to go really smoothly. And then life happens and it doesn't. Where I look at other school years where, yes, I organized and I planned, but I still went into that year with a little bit of apprehension. I wasn't quite sure how things were going to work out. Those school years started off better for me because I was ready for those obstacles. I was ready to make changes. I was ready to adapt. I was there for it. I was like, okay, I know there's going to be some things that come up and I know I'm going to have to handle it and that's all right. So that's the attitude we have to have with this year. No matter how much you plan and research and create the most amazing Google Classroom account or the most amazing social distancing plans in your classroom, there are going to be obstacles that come up and we have to be ready to deal with them. Luckily, you are in the special education community. You are likely a teacher, a para, a parent, a clinician, and guess what? Being part of the special education community means you are naturally great at differentiating. You are naturally great at individualizing, at thinking of those outside-of-the-box creative solutions. So some of these things, these problem-solving situations we're going to be in this year, you're going to be good at. Because this is what we in our typical in our typical roles in a typical year, this is what we do all the time. You've probably heard me say this before, but your big mantra for this year is going to be progress over perfection. There's no way to do this year perfectly. There's no way to do any year perfectly, but there's definitely no way to do this year perfectly because we don't know what this year is going to look like and we know we're going to have to overcome some challenges. Our goal is not to make this year perfect. Our goal is to just make progress every day. We want day two to be a little bit better than day one. We want week three to go a little bit more smoothly than week one. We want to be constantly getting just a tiny bit better, making things easier for our students, easier for ourselves, easier for parents, and be slowly, slowly inching in that mode of progress. 
So in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing five tips for going back to school during COVID. Now, these tips will be applicable whether you are in a distance learning situation, whether you are in in in-person or in the hybrid model. There's some general best practices that I want you to hang on to this year. After that, I'm going to share some specific strategies and action items for those three settings. So if you're virtual, if you're in-person or hybrid, what are some specific things you can do to tackle some of those obstacles that might come up in those settings? I have an amazing free download for you to go along with this episode. Now, I'm going to be sharing some of my favorite tips from this download, but there are way more valuable pieces of advice within this download. So I need you to get it. Now, I can't take credit for this download all on my own because I had the help of some of the amazing teachers and professionals within my professional development membership. I have over 500 teachers and professionals within that group, and they are some of the most creative, ambitious, and hardworking people I know. So when I was thinking about getting you all some suggestions for back to school season, I was like, dang, I need the people in my membership to help me out. And I sent out a survey and they shared so many amazing ideas, amazing um, strategies and action items that you can be putting into these different settings right now. So I've got to give them some credit and love because they helped make this download possible. So to grab your free five page download, you can go to the link in the show notes right now, or you can head over to the autismhelper.com and there's a big orange button right on the homepage and you can click download there. So this will give some great strategies for how to use your paraprofessionals, how to collaborate with parents, how to tackle some of the challenges like wearing a face mask or social distancing within the classroom or what types of templates and platforms to use in e-learning. So lots and lots of great tips in there. So I'm going to be pulling some of my favorites from that download, but I want to make sure you get the whole version later. Okay, so my five tips for going back to school during COVID. Number one, be flexible. Now, as I said, as someone who works in the special ed community, you naturally do this, right? We go with the flow. We know things are going to change. But this year, we have to really be cognizant of being flexible all the time. Our plans may not work out how we thought. And the best thing we can do this year is be willing to change. Now, change can be hard sometimes. I am one of those people that change is very, very hard for because sometimes change feels like you're admitting defeat. You're like, oh, I was wrong. That plan didn't work. You weren't wrong. You just found a way that didn't work. And that's all right. So if the online platform that you set up is not going well, if the way that you organize your desks is not really, you know, beneficial for social distancing, just be willing to change and change again and change again and change again. Number two, do not compare this year to previous years. You will drive yourself absolutely crazy. This year is totally different. It can feel very overwhelming and honestly depressing to think about what you would be doing on a normal day in August leading up to this school year. You'd be at Target. You'd be setting up your classroom. You'd be making new centers. Well, if you're doing virtual learning, you're not doing any of that right now. That's all right. Obviously, there are major things outside of our control. 
all you can do is just compare from your previous day, right? We just want to make progress from the day before. So once we're in online learning or in your hybrid schedule or in your in-person class, don't think about, well, last year in September, this is what we did. Instead, think, hey, yesterday, this is what we did and it worked or it didn't. So what am I going to do next? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Number three, differentiate. Oh my gosh, another thing special ed teachers are great at. So what works for one child in your class may not work for another child in your class. What works for one family might not work for another family. You might have one family of one of your students who is all about the online learning. They're doing boom cards every day. They are in on every one of your Zoom calls. They are here for it. And another family you haven't heard from in weeks. That's okay. Every family has different stressors on them. Every family has different obligations. All you can do is try to find a situation or a scenario that works for each family and each student. There is not going to be a one-size-fits-all model right now, but you know what? We're used to that, right? We're used to figuring out what works for each of our kids. So again, this is hopefully something that will come naturally to us. Number four, utilize preference assessments for everyone. Now, I love a good preference assessment because you guys know I just love talking about reinforcement and what's a reinforcer and what's not a reinforcer. Well, we need to utilize preference assessments even more now in this untraditional learning setting that we're in. The one type of preference assessment that I really want you to hone in on, especially coming up to back to school season, is utilizing preference assessments with the parents of your kids. At the start of the year and then regularly from then on out, Ask them, how do you want me to best reach your student virtually? How often do you want communication? Do you have reliable internet? What Does your child use a laptop or an iPad? Figure out what's working for them and what's not. If you keep sending them links to virtual field trips and their student actually doesn't like it or they don't like doing it, You want to know that so you're not continuously doing that. So regularly be surveying your parents to figure out what's working or what's not. Another type of preference assessment that you might not be using yet but which could be very beneficial is using a preference assessment with your team, so with your paraprofessionals. Um, One strategy I'm going to talk about later in this episode that I love is if you are in a virtual or hybrid setting is asking your paraprofessionals what types of work tasks they would like to participate in within that model. Not all staff members are going to be willing to do a Zoom call or a pre-recorded read aloud. That just might not be their thing. Cool. Let them do something else. There's a lot of different things we need help with. So I think that's a great way to really get your team on board. Number five, make database decisions part of your process. Now, Maybe I just lost you right there. You're like, data, Sasha, I can barely keep my head above water. I can barely handle data on a normal school year. There's no way I'm taking data now. I want you to replace the word data with information. We want to use the information that we're getting 
from our students' behavior, our parents' behavior, our team members' behaviors to inform our decisions. We don't want our decisions to be purely based off our own opinion of, hey, I think Google Classroom is great, so I'm going to use Google Classroom. Well, if nobody is logging into your Google Classroom account, use something else. If nobody is participating in the activities that you've set up, try something different. If you are asking your paraprofessionals to complete some type of virtual task or do something within the classroom and it's not happening, find out why and then switch your plan. So we want to be constantly looking at how our team and our students and our families are participating and use that information to make changes moving forward. Okay, so let's get to these specific strategies for in-person classes, remote classes, and hybrid classes. So as I said in the free download, it's filled with specific tips and strategies. And I'm going to be just pulling a few of them to share some of my favorite and most creative strategies that are on this list. So first, let's talk about your in-person classes. If your students have to wear a face mask during the day, there are a lot of antecedent interventions we're going to want to utilize. One that I think can be really helpful is reading a social story every day and sending home a social story. I'm going to be sharing some free social stories on wearing a face mask and things related to COVID-19 on my website. I would read that story on a regular basis and also send that social story home for mom and dad to read. Within your classroom, there's going to be some restrictions on number of students. There's going to be some rules with social distancing and things like that. One big suggestion I have for your self-contained or center-based classrooms is to really limit your transitions and have students stay at one spot and the staff transition as well. So your classroom typically might look like students moving from center to center or station to station. Instead, have your kids stay at one spot and have the activities change. So a different staff member comes or a different set of work comes to them. If you're doing that, keep in mind, we want to add in more sensory breaks or movement breaks in between activities because typically our kids would be getting up and moving around every 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. They're no longer getting that. So keep that in mind if you are using that approach of having kids stay in one spot is to still allow those movement breaks. Maybe play a go noodle video every between every center or do a quick activity where they can stand up by their desk and do something to get them moving a little bit. I love the idea of using tape on the floor for clear boundaries of where you want them to stay, of where you want them to wait in line. Again, special educators, we are used to using those visuals, right? So really lean into that, that visual side of your brain to show this is how far apart you need to be. This is where you need to stay when you're at this center. For the in-person classes, I think it would be really beneficial to really utilize your technology-based resources as much as possible. It's going to be tempting to just use your work tasks and your hands-on activities and your worksheets, the things that we've been missing for so long because we couldn't use it before. But keep in mind, even though you're in person now, there's a chance of another school closure. It would be beneficial to spend time in the class teaching your kids how to log into the different platforms and how to use those different platforms. That's the piece we really missed before in the spring. We thought we were closing for two weeks, right? And then we were closed the rest of the year. We didn't get a chance to teach how to log into Seesaw, how to log into Boom Cards, how to use those things on their own. So spend some time, even though you're in person, working on that. 
With the in-person classes, you might have some cleaning and sanitation procedures to follow. I highly recommend being very specific with what you want done. Do not tell your team, hey guys, every day we're going to deep clean everything. And that's it. You will be very frustrated in a week when people are not deep cleaning the way you thought they should be deep cleaning. So have a specific checklist, uh, laminate that, have people check things off what they did, assign people specific responsibilities, have a morning and afternoon cleaning checklist. I love the idea of having a bin in your room that says to be cleaned or to be sanitized and just putting things in there throughout the day, sanitizing them at the end of the day. I also love the idea of giving each student a plastic placemat, maybe at the table or at their desk that they can put all of their materials on and then you can wipe down that placemat. It's a nice visual cue of where their stuff and their hands are supposed to go, but it also keeps all the germs in one spot. Okay, so let's switch gears and let's talk about our virtual classrooms. So all of us were virtual in the spring. I want you to spend some time thinking about what worked and what did not work in the spring. And we were thrown into that. And it probably feels like we're still being thrown into it. But really look at what things were successful and what things really didn't miss the mark when planning what you're going to be doing next. For accessibility, I highly recommend emailing and mailing each student a list of all of their logins and websites to the families, but do do snail mail too, not just email. So have mom and dad be able to print it out, put it on their fridge, have the logins for everything. If you used Boom Cards last year, maybe that was something you just started and you really liked it, ask your administrator for that yearly subscription so you can be collecting data. This is going to be something that you can really utilize to make sure you're staying on top of IEP goals. So reach out and request that subscription to make sure you're getting the data piece. Within your virtual classroom, It needs to be routine-based. You want things to go in the same order, the same way each day. I love the idea of having a weekly routine. Every Monday we do this. Every Tuesday we do this. That's going to help parents know what's coming. That's going to have kids know what's coming. In the start of the year, I talk a lot about routines and reinforcement. The start of the year to me is only about R&R, not rest and relaxation, routines and reinforcement. You want your back to school in your virtual classroom to do the same thing. You want it to be about routines and reinforcement. So don't come in with the new hard things. Come in with the routines now. Come in with the reinforcement now. Make it fun. Watch YouTube videos. Put a clip of your your student's favorite video on. Make bitmojis of your students. Make it interactive. Make it as reinforcing as possible. I know it is really hard to think of reinforcers that we can deliver virtually, but spend some time thinking outside the box of how you can embed reinforcement into your virtual activities. Last, let's talk about our hybrid schedule. Now, there are all different versions of hybrid schedules, right? Your kids might be going two days a week on, two days a week off. Maybe they're just in the mornings or just in the afternoons. Or maybe you have half your kids in person and half your kids full virtual, where you are doing two full-time jobs at one time. Craziness. Whatever type of hybrid schedule you're on, my biggest recommendation is going to be to be very, very organized and to keep it simple. Streamline things as much as possible. Don't try to overly complicate this because a hybrid schedule, quite honestly, is complicated enough on its own. So if you're sending home take-home bags for those virtual days, 
Keep it super simple with stuff you already have made. Um, Ask parents to take pictures of completed tasks and upload to your learning platform. Keep it really, really consistent and really, really straightforward so that you can stay on top of it, but also your staff and your kids can as well. Think about maybe recording activities that you're doing in class to use for virtual on the virtual platform later in the week or later in the semester. Maybe that would mean on Monday you did a read aloud with your in-person kids and you record that. You don't need the students in there. You can actually just record yourself. If there's confidentiality issues with students being in the video, no problem. Have your para just record you and then use that for an online activity for one of your online learners later in the week if your kids are split up. Have your paraprofessionals help you create virtual lessons and activities. With your data collection piece, if you have kids that are split part-time in person, part-time online, take all your data on those in-person days and try to use boom cards and things like that for some virtual data and color code that within your data sheet so you know, hey, this was in-person data versus this was virtual data. A few final notes. So in our download, we also talk about tips for working with your paraprofessionals within these situations, as well as tips for communicating with parents. My main advice for tips for working with your paraprofessionals is number one, model being calm. Model being positive, model being a problem solver. If you spend the whole day complaining about how much this stinks, then everyone is going to complain about how much this stinks. Yes, it stinks. We all know it. But model being calm, model being that problem solver and moving forward with we're going to do what we want to do. Number two for our parents, for communicating with parents, communicate with them more often than normal. This year is different, right? And it's different for parents too. My kids are in daycare and they obviously took a break when daycare closed and I sent them back a few weeks ago and one of the best things about that day was getting a call from my daughter's teacher in the middle of the day just to let me know she was fine. And she's been at that daycare a while. She's four years old. I didn't need the call, but I did need the call. I was nervous. I was more nervous than she was her first day when she was 18 months. So something as simple as that is, you know, that first day back in person, giving that phone call of your kid's doing okay, it's fine, Um, you know, they're happy, they're safe, can go a long way. And if you're like, oh my gosh, I've got 10 kids, I got to make all these phone calls, that's a lot to do. Have your paraprofessionals help you. Have them make those phone calls in the afternoon. For your virtual learners, have a lot of parent communication as well on seeing how things are going and constantly following up so you can make those database decisions and change things up as needed. So wrapping up, yes, this year is going to be different and that's okay. You've got this. You have the tools. You have the right attitude somewhere buried deep, even if you put your negative attitude on top of it, and you know how to problem solve. It's not going to look like last year, but it's okay. Your goal is progress over perfection. No one is going to be handling this perfectly. We're basically all back at feeling like first-year teachers, right? No one feels like they have it all together right now. So do the best you can. Give yourself some grace. Be flexible. 
be open-minded. Your students are so lucky to have you right now. And they are so lucky to have a teacher that is working really hard to give them the best year possible despite all of these obstacles and challenges. So remember to get all of the different tips and strategies, even more than I shared today in this episode, head over to my website, theautismhelper.com and click download. All of these strategies and tips were shared by members of the Autism Helper Professional Development Membership. So there's lots of great strategies from teachers all over the world. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.